Are we on? Now we're on. Okay. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to the Church of Omaha. Amen. Can we stand together and just love the Lord and thank Him for His goodness and mercy? Come on, can we just welcome the presence of the Lord? Hallelujah. We love and praise His holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So glad all of you are here. If you would join me in the uh, word of the Lord, I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 3, beginning at verse number 8. And uh, so good to see all of you that are here in person. God bless you. All of you joining us online. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. Good to see some, I would say old friends, but I don't want that to sound bad. So good to see some, some friends from a while ago. The Blackstones, glad to see you guys. Love you all so much. Amen. They're here today and um, uh, just visiting. We're so thankful and saint with them. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are upon their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And for just a few minutes, I'm going to uh, teach, preach a message to you titled Holy Living, W-H-O-L-L-Y, Holy Living in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Jesus, this is your church, not mine, not ours. We are simply your body, your bride. Your word alone, Lord, is superior and supreme, and it, it alone saves and heals and delivers us. And you know every person, every situation. You know the future, God. We know our lives are in your hand, and we know it's appointed and anointed for this moment. So on the authority of your word, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and let there be comprehension and understanding of your word. For without you, we're nothing. We need a demonstration of your spirit and power confirming your word with signs following. And I ask you, Jesus, that I would say no more or less than you, what you want, that I would walk in your spirit and not in my flesh. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. In the study of Peter, and in particularly uh, the last uh, couple of chapters, that, the, chapter 2 and into chapter 3, Peter has covered the topic of submission as it relates to formal obligations, such as servants, masters, employer, employee relations. He's covered it, and that was in chapter 2, by the way. He's covered it with family obligations, which we looked at the last time we studied 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, the marriage, the family, and so forth. And in here, he kind of looks at it from an angle of the fellowship aspect as it relates to one another, who we are with each other. So in our text then today, we see that the foundation is laid of how to live holy, not just H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y, in other words, complete. We know that submission is the core 
of Scripture, and it, it's revealed through that life that is, is perfectly in tune and alignment with Jesus Christ. And although it is contrary to our flesh, submission pleases God and reveals Him to others. 1 Peter 3.8, the first verse of our text today, there are five ways that submission is revealed in the context of fellowship one with another. He, he first starts with unity of thought. He says, be you all of one mind. That does not mean uniformity, though. Union and uniformity are not what unity in the Bible is about. You see, it's not everybody doing exactly the same thing. Instead, it is celebrating the diverse thoughts, but with a desire to accomplish a shared goal. That's why we have across town right now, their service has already started, a French African church in Millard. That's why tonight our Spanish church will uh, convene again. That's why we have other preaching points and daughter works because we're wanting to have diverse thought and reach more people. Amen? We see it in Acts chapter 1. The 120, some were single, some were married. Some were young, some were old. Some were male, some were female. But together, there was a shared purpose and a common goal, that is, to be filled with the Spirit. Then he talks about compassion. You know, be all of one mind, having compassion. This is best seen through uh, the words sympathy and empathy. When one weeps, we weep with them. When one rejoices, we rejoice with them. We don't get jealous of them. We rejoice with them. If, if you get blessed, praise God. I'm glad you got blessed. And if you're hurting, I'm sorry. How can I help you carry that hurt? That's what we do. You see, like Jesus, we're moved with compassion. By the way, that literally means he would feel to the core of his being what they were feeling. And then he would do something about it. That's why in the book of Jude, in uh, verse 22, it says, uh, we have compassion on others, making a difference. Then he talks about brotherly love. Again, this is all in 1 Peter 3.8. Five different principles here. He talks about brotherly love. It's that unyielding bond that connects us to one another. Some of us here today are related biologically to someone else, uh, you know, a, a parent, a child, etc. But yet all of us, if we're born again of the water and spirit, are spiritually connected as the body of Christ. And when Jesus comes, we'll be the bride of Christ together. Amen. That's why the Bible says to be kindly affectioned one to another. And that's why Romans 12.10 mentions in honor preferring one another. Then he mentions pitiful. Now, that word has changed a little bit from when the King James was written till now. But what that word literally means in its Greek context is hospitality. Be hospitable. It means to be tenderhearted, caring for, and loving people back to health. You know, I saw something the other day that said, you know, if someone uh, won't cross, you know, uh, a puddle for you, don't cross an ocean for them, you know. And, and the idea becomes that, you know, I, what that's really saying is, I'm only going to love you as much as you love me back. But that's not how Jesus is. W cross that puddle, cross that ocean, love that person. 
Reveal Jesus to them. Be hospitable. And that's why I love the Church of Omaha. Because we're a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promise through Jesus Christ. And then he says, be courteous. This simply means humble-minded, having a modest opinion of yourself. That's easy for some and hard for others. I know that. Okay? And our world promotes, well, you're a self-made whatever. And I get that we should do our best. And we should try to be our best. But we need to be careful and realize that it is God that gives us life. It is God that gives us a brain to be able to use, to understand, to adapt these things. You know, God must laugh sometimes at what we do. Man, I made this. And God's like, really, did you now? (laughs) Amen. We need to look inward and fulfill this word courteous, revealing an outward authentic presence that other people can feel comfortable knowing who we are. Amen? So if there was ever a time to ensure that we're living for God wholeheartedly or holy living, now is that time. Regardless of what you've done up to this point, regardless of how you've lived up to this point, it's now time to give God your whole heart. If yesterday you didn't, it's in the past. It's happened. Start today, for today is the first day of the rest of your life. Give God your whole heart. Amen? I like David. I like the Psalms. I like uh, what, what they said in there. And David and a few other unknown psalmists expressed their desire. I'm going to put these scriptures up, or they're going to put them up, actually. But Psalm 9-1, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart I will show forth all your marvelous works Psalm 111 verse 1 praise ye the Lord I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation Psalm 119 has a bunch verse 2 blessed are they which keep his testimonies and that seek him with the verse 10 with my whole heart have I sought you, O Lord. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 34, give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Yea, I shall observe it with my Amen. Verse 58, I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to your word. Verse 69, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my Verse 145, I cried with my, hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. And then in Psalm 138, verse 1, I will praise you with my, before the gods, I will sing praise unto you. I would dare say that we have a pretty good example from all of these psalms of what it means to live wholeheartedly for God. Let me just say this, and I don't mean to be crude, but God is not returning looking for a prom date or a girlfriend. He's coming back looking for a bride. Amen. I will say certain things on, on Facebook occasionally, and especially around our anniversary, but even sometimes just on non-holiday occasions where Shannon is my forever girlfriend. And that, you know, I, I still look at her that way, but she's my bride. She's my wife. God's not coming except for those who have made themselves ready. So anything less than holy living 
is unacceptable. Let me also say this and, and let it strike a sobering thought within our minds. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. We have to let him be Lord and Master, serving him wholeheartedly. I don't, I'm not going to put it up on the screen, but Luke 14, 25 through 35 gives us the high cost of discipleship. And Jesus did not mince words. He gave a clear understanding. And let me just say this. You cannot expect to live for God at bargain basement and clearance rack prices. You cannot purchase the pearl of great price at a discount. If there was ever a time to commit yourself completely to God and his kingdom, now is that time. We need to be like the man who sold everything so he could buy the field because the treasure was in the field. I don't know the value of the rest of that field, but he bought every piece of it. He paid the full price for it because he knew there was a treasure in that field. We need to be like the disciples that left everything immediately and followed Jesus. And many of them, minus Judas, followed him to their death. As we continue deeper into 1 Peter 3, God is going to reveal us a comprehensive view of what it means to live for God holy. Here we go. 1 Peter 3 verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing. Knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. Everybody say, don't be evil. Be a blessing. Amen. In the second verse, Peter contrasts the corrupt the conduct of corrupt carnality against committed Christianity. The key to understanding 1 Peter 3.9 is to realize that you get to choose which lifestyle you'll practice. Corrupt carnality or committed Christianity. A godless society repays evil with evil. They retaliate and insult when others insult them. If you lift a... Uh, choose to live this way, that's your choice. God's a gentleman. He'll let you do that. But you should be aware of something if you choose that path. Go to Proverbs 17, 13 with me and hear the word of the Lord. Whoso rewards evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. I may have given you the wrong verse. It's 17, 13. I apologize. I may have said 17, 3. It's 17, 13. Whoso rewards evil for good, Evil shall not depart from his house. I don't want to choose that path because I don't want evil to be in my house forever. I don't want it to go to my children and grandchildren. Amen? You see, with God, the way up is down. <laughs> to find your life, you must lose it. You're not to attack your enemies and retaliate you're to pray for them god jesus comes in and he totally just upends everything he didn't just throw some tables over he threw some paradigms over hey if they compel you to go one mile go to the romans would would compel them to carry their pack and it, it was law you had to do it and, and none of those uh, uh, israelites liked it but they, oh. And Jesus says, hey, if, if that happens, and I imagine they're waiting saying, 
Yeah, curse them. Strike them with lightning bolts. No, no, go a second mile. Now, can you imagine somebody that practiced that? The next day, the next week, and all of a sudden a Roman comes up and, hey, you, carry my pack. Okay. Picks it up, gets to the end of a mile, and the Roman is thinking he's going to hand it back. He goes, I'll go another. You know what that did to that Roman soldier? It did what Jesus wanted it to do. That heaping coals of fire on a person's head, that doesn't mean that their head gets lit on fire and they die. That means they're shamed. It's a euphemism to mean they're shamed because they realize I've treated you wrong, but you've returned to me good for my evil. By the way, though, when you do that, when you return good for somebody's evil, it's in 1 Peter 3, 9. Guess what you do? You inherit a blessing. You may think that, that nobody notices and life is hard and I've returned this good for evil. But let me tell you, there's a God that is keeping track. Mm-hmm, she did that today. That's awesome. And he is putting some treasure away in heaven for you where moth and rust can't corrupt it. Thieves can't break in and steal that treasure. The economy ain't going to affect the value of that treasure. Amen. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount also reveals holy living. Let's go there, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now watch what Jesus does here. You see him do this a few times. You've heard it said this way. Then the next verse, but I say unto you. He's, He's not coming at them saying, This was wrong because it was written. It was a a part of what they were. But what he's saying is now, this is what I meant by that. This was my purpose for that. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. And do good to them that hate hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. That's a lot easier to read that than it is to practice that. But that's what we're supposed to do. Verse 45, that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he makes his son, watch this, to rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, their day's going to come. If they don't repent, their day's coming and God will judge them. You see, that's our, our problem. We want to step into the place of God, put on the royal robes and, and, and take the gavel and bam, you know, make a judgment call. And God's like, no, 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 I'm the judge, not you. And if we'll just step back and let God judge the matter, if we'll do that, we'll feel a lot better. Well, watch this, verse 46. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Don't, the publicans, that's not Republicans, by the way. It's, it's a Bible word for, you know, sinners. <laughs> yeah, and not that the Republicans are sinners, but maybe they are, I don't know. Let's get off of that for a minute. <laughs> for if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Don't the publicans do the same? I mean, anybody can love back when I've been loved, right? If you salute your brethren only, I'm only talking to those that I go to church with. Well, don't the publicans, don't the Gentiles, don't sinners do that? Instead of, watch verse 48. Be you therefore perfect. Now, perfect there doesn't mean sinless. 
It means complete in Christ. Because I can't do this without Christ. If I try to do this in Myron's spirit, oh, 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 it ain't going to happen. Especially if they're driving. Or the lack thereof. Some of you know. Because I need to, you know, start a side business of teaching people how to drive. My word. I can't be perfect in my own right, Pastor Lucas. But with the Holy Spirit, through Christ, I can do all things, right? Be you therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, these verses present a very tall order. But they're not impossible. And let me tell you why. God's word would not tell you to do something if it were impossible for you to do. Well, that's good. <laughs> Romans 12 contains invaluable truth. And, and I've taught plenty of messages from that, so I don't have time to go to Romans 12 and read the whole thing. But let, for the sake of this part of, of 1 Peter 3.9 and how it relates, let's go to Romans 12, verses 19 through 21. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. What he's saying there is, take your wrath to God. Lord, this is frustrating to me. This angers me. I don't know what to do with this. And why is this happening? Go ahead and go to God that way. That's okay. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. If we try to repay it, God's going to step back and say, okay, let me know when you're done. And I'll be God and you can go back to being a human. But if we'll just step back and bring it to God, he's going to take care of it. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, you shall keep coals of fire in his head. Verse 21 sums it all up. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a promise and a principle of the word of God. That if we'll just do what we're supposed to do, evil will be overcome. Darkness and light are not opposites. They're not equals. Darkness is the absence of light. If it was pitch black dark in this room, not a single light on, and one of you took your cell phone and did that, suddenly the room would change. And if all of us did that, more of the room would change. And that's the problem. A lot of people want to complain about the darkness and the world is evil and evildoers are waxing worse and worse. And I know that the Bible says that's happening, but it also says that I can overcome evil with good if I'll just shine my light. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter 3.10 Getting ready to read it. Everybody say this with me. Refrain your tongue. Mm. Help us, Lord. 1 Peter 3.10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Now, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, Peter actually is quoting from Psalm 34. So look at verses 12 and 13 of Psalm 34. What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. So we see a, a, a connection, a cross-reference. And by the way, there are 63,779 of those from Genesis to Revelation. 
If you want to see an image of that, step by my study during the break and look in. There's a rainbow-like thing on the back wall, and you can see what that would look like. God inspired James to write about the power of the tongue and what we say. James 3, verse 3, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, the ships also, the, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor lists. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire Kindles and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, you kind of get left hanging there. Well, if it can't be tamed, how do I tame it? How, how do I re, you know, bring that to God? What, what can I do here? And while you're thinking about that question, let me, let me ask you this, or let me say this. In, in Proverbs 18, 21, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If I love life and I speak life, that's what I'll eat. If I love death, speak death, I'll eat that. How do I tame my tongue? Great question. The answer is found in yielding yourself and your tongue completely to God. I believe then that it's not coincidental that the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is when one speaks in other tongues. I know a lot of good people that have not spoken tongues but are good citizens. They yield their hands. They help the poor. They've, they've given Food, food drives, they've, they've uh, helped people out, they've seen a neighbor in need, and all of those are great. And, and a, there's a lot of good people. We've got a lot of good neighbors, and maybe you're thinking of one of them right now, or two or three. But when we yield our tongue to God, I believe that's why he chose that as the sign. You see, in Isaiah 28, 11, he says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said... This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. When you see Sabbath in the Old Testament, it prefigures the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's that rest of God coming into us. So on the day of Pentecost, when they gathered, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when that day was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Can I just pause here and tell you, I want a sound from heaven, not from man. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was a supernatural phenomenon. They didn't learn this. They weren't taught this. It, it, they did not know the languages in which they were speaking. It was a supernatural event indicating something has happened. If you continue reading through the book of Acts, you'll see this over and over and over. It happens time and again. It's how we practice the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He died, we repent. He was buried, we're baptized. He was resurrected, we speak in other tongues. Now, if you're filled with the Spirit already, praise God, and you still need help with your tongue, like me, both hands raised, then we need to do what Jude instructed us in his epistle. 
Jude 1, 20 and 21, or you could just say Jude 20 and 21 because there's only one chapter. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. This is praying to that point where you transition from English or Spanish, whatever your, your, your main uh, tongue might be that you're praying in, to other tongues, to, the, to praying in the Spirit. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, how do I do that? By praying in the Holy Spirit, by building up my most holy faith. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Let me, let me play it out for you. I'm over here, and I'm frustrated about something, and, and, and I want to speak that guile, and I want to speak that evil because I'm, I'm ticked off, and, and I'm just ready to, and so I, you know what? i got to go pray, and I start praying, and I might start my prayer with some anger, and you know, here's what I love about God. He's okay with that. Can I just tell you to be honest with God? He already knows how you feel. He sure can, Brother Keith. He can handle it. You know, I love these people. You know, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, they're angry and they come in. Our Father, which are, come on, be real. You don't need to know all the, the, you know, Jehovah compound names of God. Just tell him how you feel. And so my prayer starts that way. Oh, God, this is frustrating and I'm angry. But all of a sudden, something begins to transition as I begin to magnify him. Yeah. And I start speaking in other tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, my faith gets built up. Now, let's, let's put the verse back up there. Verse uh, 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Suddenly, I start feeling the love of God. I'm not thinking about the evil anymore. I'm not thinking about the bad anymore. But now, what am I doing? That mercy of God. I'm beginning to say, you know what? There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I almost slipped up. Uh, my feet well nigh slip like Asaph. But, but I'm back on the right track. That's what the, the uh, 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 prophet is saying there. That's what the man of God is saying there in Jude. Amen. That's how we do it. Get in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul explains what this is. He says it in 1 Corinthians 14 15, how that I pray in, with my understanding and I pray in the Spirit. I sing with understanding and I sing in the Spirit. Let me just ask you a question here, if you're filled with the Spirit. Have you ever sung in tongues? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody. If you haven't, don't try to fake it, but let me tell you, that's an experience. And there have been times where I knew the song I was singing. I knew the tune, Amazing Grace, you know, whatever. And I'm like, but I'm not speaking English right now. This is cool. And there's other times where I don't know the song. There's just melody coming out of my spirit. Amen. Every, and, and, I, and I reemphasize, every time that has happened, I leave refreshed, renewed, revived, restored. And, and, and guess what? You ready? I'm, I'm going I'm to, I'm everybody... Make sure your seatbelts are buckled. Tray tables are in their upright position. We're going to hit a little turbulence here. You ready? Sometimes the evil still exists. Sometimes the problem still exists. You know what's different? My perspective. Let me illustrate it for you. I haven't done this for a while, and I need to re-illustrate it because it's good. Not just because I'm doing it, but it's good because it's true. Let's imagine that all these empty chairs represent my problem, the evil, 
the frustration, the fear, whatever. All right? Let's imagine that the pulpit represents my purpose in God, what he wants for me. Not just my call to preach, Brother Mario, but my call to be like him. Now, if I stand back here near the back and I look, I can see that pulpit. In my peripheral, I can see all of you, and I can see those empty chairs. Now, as I'm looking at the pulpit, in my peripheral are the empty chairs, the problem. Now, if I turn and look at an empty chair, guess what I'm looking at now? A problem. And guess what's in my peripheral? My purpose. But if I'll keep my eyes on Jesus... The problems aren't necessarily going away, but the closer I get to my purpose, the less and less I see of them and the more and more I see of him. And if I just keep walking, even if the devil tries to stop me, even if he tries to trip me up, even if he tries to get me discouraged, now I can't see any of those empty chairs because I'm getting a whole lot closer to my purpose in who I am in God. And that's the reality. When I pray in the Holy Spirit, something begins to transition. There's still problems in this world. There's still financial struggles, but I'm looking at it differently. That's the value of praying in the Holy Spirit and building yourself up on your most holy faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 3, verse 11. I'm glad we don't end at 11.10 anymore, Jeremy, because I'm telling you, I got, a, I got more than seven minutes left. By the way, that's right. We got an extra hour. We got two hours and seven minutes left. Okay. Woo! Hallelujah. Told you to buckle up and put your tray tables up. Anyway. First Peter 3.11. Look at this. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Here again, Peter's quoting from Psalm 34. Look at Psalm 34 verse 14. Depart from evil, do good. Seek peace and pursue it. If you love God, watch this, you'll not only depart from evil and do good and seek peace, you'll also hate evil. It's part of what a shoe means. Psalm 97.10, you that love the Lord, hate evil. Amos 5.14, seek good, not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as you have spoken. Verse 15, hate the evil and love the good. Establish judgment in the gate. Let me say this clearly and plainly. I don't hate evildoers. I hate the evil they do. That was really good. You need to say it again. Okay. I don't hate evildoers. I hate the evil they do. Let me tell you why I don't hate evildoers. Because there's still a chance. Because Jesus hasn't come back yet. There's still a chance for them to repent. There's still an altar that's open. There's still a baptismal tank ready. There's still grace to be given. 
Once he comes back, once the trumpet sounds, it's over. But until then, God can change an evildoer into a righteous doer because I'm a living testimony. I was in sin. I was bound in chains, but he got a hold of me. He came into my life, and I'm different now. Hallelujah. Praise God. It is possible... It is possible that you can win someone over to the Lord by returning good for evil. I think we see that at least in part with the centurion. He has commanded his men to pound the spikes into the hands and feet of Jesus. He has commanded one of his men to drive a spear through his ribs into his heart. He he was no doubt a part of that same command that, that flogged him. And yet, he stands there and he says, truly, this was the Son of God. I don't know what happened to him after that. But it's interesting to me that at least three centurions in Jesus' life were impacted by him. The one whose servant, and he said, speak the word. I'm an authority under authority. The one at the cross and Cornelius. I don't know if the three of them got together at a centurion conference somewhere or when they were talking in the officer's quarters. I don't know. But I do know this. They were at least changed by what they saw. The two thieves are another example. They both railed on Jesus, but one of them had a repentant spirit and said, wait a minute, you're different. You don't deserve this. We do. You're acting different. You're not retaliating. Oh, please, remember me when you come into paradise. Can I tell you that if you'll return good for evil, it just might win somebody. Body to the Lord. Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Hebrews 12, 14. I know we quote this a lot when we're preaching on holiness, especially outward, but listen to the whole verse. Follow peace with all men and holiness. You can't separate the two. You've got to have peace and holiness. Amen. Without which no man shall see the Lord. In so doing, we may see the conversion of an evildoer become a true worshiper. I think if possibly the best example might be Saul, persecutor of the Christians. Held the coats of those that stoned Stephen. And yet when God talks to Ananias, go, he's blind. Go pray for him. Ananias questions it at first, as we all would do. You sure? That? You know who, you're telling me to go pray for him. You know who he is, right? I could die, God. Okay, all right, if you're right. But I like Ananias because Pastor Lucas, when he walks through that door, he calls him Brother Saul before his conversion. You know what I was thinking? I think he was speaking faith. I think he had a spirit that if God's going to tell me to come to this man, something's about to happen. And when somebody returned good for evil, no doubt Ananias' friends were part of those that were persecuted. No doubt part of his family might have been persecuted. But when he returned good for evil, oh, hallelujah. Hmm. If we're honest today, Our sin, regardless how great or small we assessed it to be, was evil in God's sight. Yet when we repented, (laughs) he forgave. When we were baptized in his name for the remission of our sins, he washed them all away. The Bible says in one day he took care of it. Amen. 
And when we spoke with tongues, he filled us with his spirit and changed us from evildoers to good doers. And therefore, since God forgave us, we must now eschew evil. Well, how do you do that? Man, i got to hurry. Help me, Jesus. Eschew evil means to turn oneself away, to separate, to depart by fleeing. We need to be like Job, perfect and upright. Don't accompany wicked. Don't abide with it. Just live pure. Do good means to perform or accomplish upright and honorable things, pleasing to God. It's not enough to hate and eschew evil. You must also do good. You can't just be over here, I hate evil. Well, good. Do good now. Balance that with doing good. Seek peace and pursue it. This literally means to earnestly strive for and aim for peace between individuals, eagerly endeavoring to acquire it for everyone involved. In other words, be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper avoids conflict. A peacemaker addresses conflict. We need to do what Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. Vocation means high calling. Walk worthy of the high calling wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why do I need to do all this, Bishop? Because Jesus is coming soon. Is it worth to keep on holding on to the hurt that's happened? Or is it wiser to forgive and move forward? Jesus is coming soon. And evil has an expiration date. You'll find it in Revelation 20 verses 14 and 15. Once Satan is bound and cast into the lake of fire, he's in chains of torment for eternity. After the end of chapter 20, there is no more mention of Satan or sin. Evil has an expiration date, but the righteous will dwell with him for eternity. Please, please, please don't be like Rachel and hide your sin. She covered the theft of her father's idols, lying to her father and her husband. And on the way to see Isaac, a type of Christ who prefigured Christ in the scripture, she dies. The point being, you won't see Jesus if you're hiding sin. You may fool your spouse, your friends, your church family. You may fool the entire pastoral team. But God knows all and sees all. So don't let hidden sin stop you from seeing Jesus. 1 Peter 3.12 For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That verse alone should be enough right there to say, I'm going to do the right part of that verse. Because his eyes are over me and his ears are open unto me. But his face is against them that do evil. I don't want him to be against me, so I'm going to be righteous. And again, Peter's quoting from Psalm 34, verses 15 and 16. Almost verbatim. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. But watch this. He adds to it to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. So 1 Peter 3.12 and i.e. Psalm 34 reveal why we need to live holy before the Lord. God is against evildoers and will cut their remembrance off if they don't repent. But look at the next verse in Psalm, Psalm 34, verse 17. 
the righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all. I may not see my deliverance here on earth. That evil still may exist, but there's a day coming when these ears are going to be tuned to the frequency of the last trumpet. (laughs) And whether I'm dead in the grave and I'm one of those that rise first or I'm alive and remain, I'm going to hear it and all of my troubles will be over. (laughs) So I have to ask you, is there really a choice? I mean, stay here in evil, be an evildoer, have the face of the Lord against me, reject God and have the remembrance of me cut off from the earth and forever punished and, 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 and in a place of torment or here in the pres- presence and fullness of joy and the manifestation of God's grace and mercy and love. and Is it, is it really a choice? It's not, but here's the sad part. Some people will choose this because Satan is the master manipulator. He'll make that billboard out. He'll make that advertisement out to make it look so good. And you need this. You know, uh, pardon the the reference to worldly music, but isn't it sad that there's a highway to hell but only a stairway to heaven? Maybe those songwriters might have known what the Bible said. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow the way that leads to eternal life. I want to find that path. I want to walk that way. You know, I, I don't have a doctorate in theology, but um, when you pit this evil against righteousness, and this is torment forever, and this is peace forever, and this is suffering and pain and where the worm dieth not, and, and, and this is just manifold joy. Um, I don't know that I need a doctorate in theology. <laughs> I mean, come on, really? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Good sales pitch, but uh, I'm going with this. (laughs) I know the way is rough. I know sometimes my companions are few. (laughs) But I've got my face set on on something. I'm going to press for the mark of the prize. I'm going to forget that which is behind. I'm going to reach out to that which is before me. That's what I want. Here's what's so amazing about grace. God loved us holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, making it possible for us to be complete in Him, thereby loving and helping others. So I think we can make the right choice today. I think we can... Live the way these verses describe today. I think when you really get down right to it, it's hard to live for God easy, but it's easy to live for God hard. What do you mean by that, Bishop? Here's what I mean by that. If you try to keep one foot over here in the world and do the splits, and I'm not going to try to do the splits, but keep one foot over here in God, it ain't going to work. If you're just sitting there going, okay, he's got three minutes. Do we get an extra three minutes of break today or is it a normal break? And 
And what am I going to have for lunch after today? And, oh, hey, check it out. Look at Facebook. <laughs> it's hard to live for God easy. You know what? It's easy to live for God hard. It's easy to say, I'm in this. I know the way is rough. I know sometimes it's, it's difficult, but I'm in this because there's something greater. What saith the scripture? You see, Jesus one day is teaching a really hard message. You got to eat my flesh and drink of my blood. Now, he wasn't being literal there, but the metaphor was that this is going to cost you something. What he was saying there was some of you are going to be persecuted and die like me. And, and there's a group of disciples that up until that point, they loved Pastor Jesus. But when he preached that message, they went to him and, uh, no offense, but we're going to go to the other church across town because they don't preach it that hard. This, this is too hard for us. We want our ears tickled. And they left Jesus. And I love Jesus' attitude. He turns to the 12. He says, you going to leave too? I don't think he was saying it arrogantly or sarcastically. Here's what I think he was saying, Sister Dana. I'm not changing who I am. This message is going to be preached whether there's 12 of you, one of you, or a thousand of you. And I love Peter's reply. Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I know it's hard. I know I myself, Peter, am going to fail. I know later he didn't know it then, but Peter's going to deny him. But I'm still going to stay with Jesus. So, I'll ask you the same question today. Knowing that it's hard, will you walk away or stay? Let's stand. I'll give you one extra minute. Here we go. How's that sound? Lord Jesus, I have delivered that which you've delivered to me. The results are up to you. I'm faithful to your word, and thereby you judge me. Now I pray that all of us would hear it and heed it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Got a break. Greet one another. Be back here 1130, uh, and let's have church.